Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Carr. Hey, Hey, Jim. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing great. We're in Virginia at the headquarters of AMT, just outside of Washington, D.C. So it's great. The weather is great today. We're with a great group of manufacturing leaders, and I'm really excited for this episode. No, seriously, I'm really pumped up. This is our second interview today, and... I always say, I typically say it at the end of our shows that these episodes, these interviews help equip and inspire me to make my manufacturing company grow and prosper and just be better. Yeah. As we said before, connecting the dots. Yeah. And there's a lot of dots to be connected. It really does. I mean, I get super excited after I'm done with all these episodes. Yeah. And we have a really special guest here today. And what we're going to do, we're going to plow right through it and get right to our special guest. We're going to forget about manufacturing news. I'm not concerned with what's going on and And likewise, I'm not concerned about Zanger either (laughs) because he's always got something amazing going on, right? Yeah. So we're going to forget about all that kind of stuff. We're going to go right to the heart of the episode. So Jim, how about you introduce our guest? I would love to. This is a good friend of ours. We met this gentleman quite a few years ago. He's supported making chips and we thank him for that. But his name is Doug Woods and he is the president of AMT, the company behind IMTS for all those decades that they've been doing it. And Doug has been in this particular role at AMT for nine years. But most importantly, Doug comes from a shop floor. He's a shop floor guy. He is on He's not just talking about it. He lived it. Yeah. His hands got dirty and cut just like mine used to when I was out in the shop on the CNCs and the milling machines and the lathes. So Doug's got all that hardcore shop floor experience. He's pulling through to help all of us be better equipped. Help the greater community. You bet. And with that, I'd like to introduce our good friend, Mr. Doug Woods. Welcome to Making Chips, Doug. Hey, guys. Really glad to be here. I I love the intro. My grandpa would really love the intro. He was always kind of a little bit nervous about us after we went to college as to whether or not we'd get back to our finishing our apprenticeships and kind of held that one over us and made sure we finished our apprenticeships and uh, spent the time on the shop floor. And thank goodness we did. It was the fundamental for building everything else cool that we did. But he loved the fact that quite a few years down the pike, you're still talking about the fact, hey, that kid did some stuff on the shop floor. He knows how to run these machines. Yeah. So yep. tell us a little bit about your background, Doug. So you did do a formal apprenticeship, a machinist apprenticeship, a tool and die apprenticeship or what? Tell us a little bit about your history. Yeah. Tool and die. So my grandfather ran a shop back in Rochester, New York, and it started in 1947, actually. And so I grew up around a tool shop my entire life and had the opportunity to, you know, work in shops in summers. And so my grandfather decided, hey, if you're going to work here in the summers, you might as well start working on your apprenticeship. So we did every summer working on our hours for New York State Toolmaker Apprenticeship, my brother and I. And then after we graduated from college, we kind of thought we were all set. I remember coming to work the first day after graduating from Syracuse and coming in in a jacket and tie. And ended up in my grandfather's <laughs> office to go, hey, what? so what office do I go work in? And I just remember him looking at me like, hey, like, dude, like, what are you doing in those clothes? And it was, uh, well, I'm coming to work. Don't you know you to can't work. wear a tie because it's going to get wrapped up in the spindle and it's going to pull you right in. Yeah, well, yeah. at that point, I was assuming I wasn't going to be around a spindle. And he was like, 
go get your you-know-what home, change your clothes back into your jeans and a t-shirt, get back here and finish your hours to get your apprenticeship done. You know what? That's so funny that you told that story because that is almost word for word the exact story that Mike Polizzi from Heartland Cutting Tools told about his first day on the job. And I bet you that there's a thousand other people who had that same conversation and showed up to work in much the same way. And it's like, you're going to get dirty, so go change. Hey, and you know, God bless him for doing it. At the time, it seemed kind of crazy for what we were done, but to really build a strong manufacturing career, it's kind of tough if you don't know a lot about manufacturing. And the best way to know something about manufacturing is go do it. I mean, for the rest of my career after that, running companies, building companies, starting companies, and then in this job, which is kind of a kid in the candy shop, if you're going to be running, you know, the Association for Manufacturing Technology for the United States, you can't really have a better background than really have spent the time with folks making things and building businesses in manufacturing. So, so everybody knows IMTS. IMTS is just the event for manufacturing. It comes around every two years. Everybody gears up to it. Everybody's exhausted after it's over. There's just an energy in the air when you're at IMTS. But what I want to ask you is, tell us about AMT. Tell us about the organization behind IMTS. And maybe even like, let's talk about the other things that AMT does that you're responsible for. AMT started way, 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 way back in 1902. A bunch of machine tool companies decided, hey, we should collaborate more. We should coordinate more. We should figure out how to leverage each other's capabilities. And so that's when it started way, way, way back. But really, if you fast forward over the years, and of course, as you mentioned, IMTS is a big part of it, big part of what they thought about back in those days. And we're talking pre-World War II. It was how do we bring some of our technology forward to the industry? And that was really always the main purpose of, of IMTS, you know, way back was, hey, look, at we've got this technology. How do we have a broader audience of manufacturers see what tools for productivity are available to put into their facilities? And so, hey, let's bring all that equipment into one place and have people come in and see it and educate them and show them how to use it. And that's kind of where we're still at today. But circling back around to the main purpose for AMT. I mean, we're really around so a broader audience of manufacturing technology folks kind of have a group to collaborate with, network. We look at it and say, you know, our main purpose every day is to figure out how to help the sales for our members go up or their costs go down. So every product, every service, everything we think about. Yeah, and preferably if you can do both, right? (laughs) Exactly. But at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. If we don't find some way to help our members improve their position by, you know, lowering costs, improving productivity, driving their sales up, we're really not doing much of a value-add service. So the two main ways that we do that are providing industry intelligence. So we have a group of industry analysts, data scientists, statisticians, folks that spend all their time finding out what's really good, valuable information that just folks in the manufacturing technology industry could use to drive their business, whether it's technology information, market information, economic trend information. So we spend a lot of time doing that, give you the information you can use to drive your business. And the other side of that is market access. How do we at AMT help our members get into more markets? Markets and get access to more markets. And the biggest way we do that is IMTS, bring this really big event where tons of people come in, you can see your products. But we also run pavilions at international shows around the world. Right. We make it easy, one-stop shopping for our folks to get their equipment into shows in China and in India, Brazil, Mexico. We make it easy to get your products out there. And then we also facilitate it by global tech centers. So we have like what you'd imagine as a startup incubator 
in four places around the world, in Chennai, India, Shanghai in China, Monterey in Mexico, and Sao Paulo in Brazil, where you can get office space, you can get showroom space, you can bring your equipment in, the duty-free zones, you can bring your equipment in and demo it there until you sell it, not have to pay the duty. And so we help members figure out how do you branch out past the United States and actually build an international business based on your capabilities. And so those are the big ways, you know, the industry intelligence, the market access, but then we also have a technology department that's working with labs around the world, working with universities, finding out what are the newest, coolest technologies that you can leverage. Cutting tools. Cutting tools. Digitization. All these transformative technologies right. we'll probably get into a little bit later. Yeah. Like who's doing what? You know, we have a group that all they do is go around and figure out who's using these technologies and what's coming out of the coolest centers in the world. So advocacy group working with the folks on Capitol Hill, trying to help with regulations and taxes and policy. So And we're right there now. Yeah. And some of that stuff is has it, gone you're really well. strategically located near Washington, D.C. Yeah, we are. But I hope nobody from Washington becomes offended. We like to say we're on the other side of the river. Right. So we're in Northern Virginia, just over the river from downtown D.C. So when we need to go into the D.C. zone in order to work with folks on manufacturing, we, of course, do that. But at the same time, in all honesty, we spend more of our time on this side of the river figuring out what we can really do that we have control over. So we have control over making products and services and helping our members directly. And then we try to make sure we advocate and push the right buttons, but we don't spend all our time over there trying to push buttons as lobbyists. We spend most of our time trying to make cool stuff for our members. Doug, does the image of manufacturing still have a problem? You know, we hear this all the time, and I feel like there's still a perception about manufacturing that we're still trying to reverse. And that is something that I think is instrumental that the association can really help push, being that you are so close to government here. Can you just enlighten us a little bit about how we're trying to break the barriers down and really reverse that image? Yeah. No, I mean, I can remember back when I was on the board. So before I took this position, I was on the board of directors and chairman. And I can remember discussions with the board about, hey, we should have a got milk campaign and we're going to change the whole image of manufacturing. And then someone was smart enough to take a look at the multi-hundred million dollar budget to go do one of those campaigns. Well, maybe we won't start that right away. But the reality is it's changing because there's a natural reason for it to change and not because any one of us has decided we're going to go create this cool solution. Technology has done what technology always will do, and it's driving the coolness into manufacturing. And if you think about it and you look at additive and additives first, you know, so additive's been around for 30, 40 years. It's not new. Yeah, but it's the new kid on the block. And, you know, everybody wants to know about it and everybody thinks it's really cool. You it's know? The fun everybody it's wants, I want to buy a machine. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I want to buy a machine because it's cool. And the good news is you can go buy one for a thousand bucks as right. opposed to 300,000 and, and test out that theory. True. But what that did was it created an entire movement of folks that weren't our typical manufacturers. So the whole maker movement was a bunch of people who wouldn't typically be deemed manufacturers. It's 500,000 strong of mostly young people who are creative, who are good with their hands, who are into making things, who found this tool with digital information being put into this new tool that doesn't require complicated G-code programming, and they can make cool things. 
Well, that 500,000 created the level of excitement that's extrapolated into this rocketing of new additive companies and the interest in the public markets for it and what's happening at stock exchanges. And I think that, and then you start putting in augmented reality, you start talking about things that are going on with generative design, you start taking a look at AI and machine learning, and then you're looking at advanced robotics. All of a sudden, there's all these newsworthy fun, cool technologies that people are glomming onto. And so if we would have tried to have spend $100 million to convince everybody manufacturing is cool, I don't think we could have done as good of a job as the uptake in this technology, creating the awareness and creating the fun and creating the business and job opportunity for folks that weren't currently previously. Well yeah, th- no, that well is said. very well said. And I would just augment on that and say, not only do you have the fun and cool aspect of manufacturing, but you also have the more, I guess, human health side of things in that, you know, healthcare is evolving, people are getting older. And I would say manufacturing is really changing as it relates to, say, replacement of body parts like knees and hips and stuff like that. I mean, just medical manufacturing is just a gigantic industry that people are really, really focused on and interested in. And that, I think, changes the perception of manufacturing as well. Yeah. Anytime you can bring part of manufacturing into folks' everyday life, yes, I think the awareness goes up. And as you're suggesting, not only more medical applications from components that can be replaceable components, now you start looking at additive where you're talking about, could you actually be laying down tissue? Could you be doing organ mm-hmm. development? So again, it gets in the news, but also that means that there's universities and labs they're spending their time talking about additive. They're looking for people that know our industry to go do what was a biophysical or biochemical technology in the past that now has a manufacturing derivative in it. And when these types of things are in 60 minutes, you know, when there's commercials, when you look at major car companies and others, right to Walmart, putting manufacturing as part of what they're actually showing. I, I love mean, that commercial. We're getting there, right? With, with Aerosmith, Aerosmith's yeah, right. dream on. Yeah, right. I know. I get goosebumps when I watch that. I get goosebumps yeah. too, Jim. Yeah. And I like that analogy as far as the universities go. I mean, I think that, you know, when you can get kids excited about getting a degree that is really closely aligned with manufacturing as opposed to something that, let's be quite honest with you, is not necessarily the most useful thing in society that a lot of these kids, oh, let's get you know a philosophy degree. Well, we don't need another philosopher. So let's get somebody in there that's excited about taking manufacturing to the next level. And these universities are a part of that journey. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And if you look at this, there's some macroeconomic things that start to drive all of that to continue happening. And so during the previous administration, what ended up happening, you're coming out of the worst recession ever. And the only thing that seemed to be clicking in the marketplace at that time was manufacturing. And so whether it was on purpose or by just necessity, the previous administration focused a lot on manufacturing because the only thing that were jobs were being created. And so we got a lot of attention and things started moving in the right direction of manufacturing was important. As you start dialing forward and you look at this, you know, what's going on with kids, education. So it started a little bit there because that's where the opportunities were. But also all of a sudden you've got this ridiculously escalating college cost and tuition. And people are going, I really can't afford to send three kids at $50,000 a piece to get these generic and sometimes degrees that you were were just talking about, Jason, and they're not always going to be engineers, doctors, or others, and go, they get out and it's like, well, I can't find a job with that thing. And so now all of a sudden, a lot of folks are rethinking technical community colleges. They're re-looking at what are the skills that I actually want to get to actually get out and be productive. And so now you've got this really low unemployment, but 
you still need to have some technical competency to get some of those selective jobs that are out there. And people are going, hey, I can get those in a two-year program. I can jump into a really well-paying job, and the company will help me if I want to go back and get a four-year degree. Right. The company will do it for me. I mean, whoa. Uh, you can't get a better deal. Where do mm -hmm. I apply? Yeah, you know, absolutely. seriously, I want that. So I think we're all on the same page. I think the message is there. Let's talk about what we want to talk about today, which is digital transformation in the manufacturing industry. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it before, it's but buzzy. I, it's it really very is, buzzy, but I yeah. think it's buzzy for a reason. Oh, it's, it's relevant. It's, it's buzzy definitely. because it's usable and it's what's going to help a manufacturing leader take their manufacturing company to the next level. So I want to hear from you, where is digital transformation going in the manufacturing industry? That is really the big ball question, right? It's like, how do you start dicing that one up? And I think from my perspective, just to kind of put a little bit of framing around it. I always hear when I go around the country and around the world talking about some of this stuff, people talk about this, you know, new digital kind of arena that we're in this digital transformation. And I like the use of the words because digital, it gets to be what's really happening and how we're trying to figure out data and information, et cetera. But again, we were talking about this a little before we got on air. I mean, I, I can remember the first Boston machine we put into our shop. We thought pretty advanced digital back in the late 70s. I think what's really going on is more to the second part of those words, transformative. So we've been advanced manufacturing every decade since Ford put out the assembly line, we thought we were in advanced manufacturing. And so I hate using the word necessarily that we're advanced now, and digital has been a part of our fabric and manufacturing for a lot of years. What's really different is the transformation, and maybe more importantly, the rate of change in the transformation. Oh, how quickly it's yeah. changing. Oh, I, yeah. So one of Look the words, at cell phone technology and how rapidly that's changing. Exactly. Or so changed. One of the keywords then would be more exponential. What's yes. creating this exponential rate of change? Right. And that's really interesting. And so when you dissect that and dial it back, you go, okay, what are the enabling things that are all of a sudden making this exponential now instead of a little bit more kind of even slope? And it's what's really happening when you take a look at graphical processing units. So instead of a CPU where you've got singular processors doing things in a synchronous order, we now have got parallel processing on massive scale. You look at what you can do in the cloud. You know, Before, we couldn't store all the information. So we'd have these things on our machines. We tried collecting data, but then we have to dump it every half an hour because you're collecting data in milliseconds, but you couldn't save it. Well, now you can save it. Next problem was... I need a supercomputer to process all that data I collected. Well, right. hey, you know what? I've got an array of processors in the cloud as well. So I've got all these things, Wi-Fi, and now actually Li-Fi coming out, LED version of Wi-Fi, which is really cool. Tell us about I that. I don't even know about that. Yeah, so That's something new. It's actually leveraging light. So it's using pulse from LEDs to actually do data transformation. And what's neat about that one coming up, you can transfer about 220 gigs per second. What? Per second. What? So you start talking about our kind of manufacturing data and go, oh, okay, one of our problems is speed and this and that. And you go, wait a minute, this could be a really cool solution to start driving up our ability to do that. And it's like 100 times faster than any current way that we have via Wi-Fi, being able to transfer information. And the other thing that's really nice is everyone's worried about cybersecurity. Right. What do you know about light? If you shine a flashlight at the wall, it doesn't go through the wall, right? Right. So the nice thing is inside your four walls of your plant, if you want to have a Li-Fi system 
no one's going to pick it up outside your facility. It doesn't penetrate walls. And so it's a nice way to have super high speed closed in technology. So again, you wrap all these things together, you know, the internet, you, what's going on with open source software, what's going on with sensors and the cost of sensors being really low and very reliable. And you start putting all those pieces together, those enabling technologies have allowed us to rapidly expand how these cool technologies can affect the manufacturing floor. Hey, Jason, IMTS is just a few short months away. I'm super excited. You know, we're going to be there every single day. I know. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about the South Building and what's going on there. What, what can we expect to see? Well, the South Building... The metal cutting pavilion oh, takes the up the one. entire thing. So you're talking all your machine tool guys. DMG, Mazak, Haas, all the big boys are going to be there. That's the only pavilion within the South building is going to be metal cutting. Because it's so big. Do it you even so know what big. a pavilion is? I do know what a pavilion what is. is it? It's a small little house. Yeah, like, like a tent or something. Yeah, yeah but it this is. is bigger I than I bet a you tent. can't spell it, though. P-A-V-I-L-I-O-N. S. Pavilion. Z. Yeah. Huh? Pavilions. Go to IMTS.com. Yeah. Register now. Early bird pricing is before August 10th. Hurry up. Get your room. Get reserved. Get on the board and come and see us. So, Doug, you're kind of blowing my mind. I know you're blowing Jim's well, mind why? a little I mean, bit, I can't too. even imagine yeah. processing that quickly. But. So, can we just take it down a level. And for the manufacturers out there that are like, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around a marketing plan and a sales plan and getting quality parts out there and, and doing and skilled labor yeah. and doing it on time. They're just, their mind's exploding a little bit when it comes to digital transformation and now Li-Fi. That's going to just blow them away. So how does the average manufacturing leader just say, how do I digitally transform. How do I step in? Exactly. How do I step in? How do I make sure that I can make this leap into the digital world of manufacturing? What's the first steps that they go through? Yeah, that's a great way to start looking at how to dissect the path forward. So if you're just beginning in this and you're going, "Ah, I'm not sure where to even start, a digital strategy is a great place to start. And so what does a digital strategy look like? It's really taking a look at a lot of these technologies that we talk about being transformed. So I'll just throw them out there. So you just write those down, you put them by the side. So you talk about augmented reality, you talk about generative design, you talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning, you, know, you start to talk about advanced robotics, you talk about blockchain. So you just start to take these things and write them down on one side of a sheet of paper. And then you go, okay, look at my business. What part of my business am I particularly good at? So whatever field you're in, is there a particular industry you're good at? Is there a particular technology in your floor? You're really good at five axis. You're good yeah, at wire Give us an work. example of somebody that you talk to about this, like a specific manufacturer. Typical shop that I'll go into, they want to connect their machines and they want to drive OE. They want more uptime out of the machines. And so they're going, ah, you know, I've heard of some of these different things that are going on, but I don't even know how to connect my machines. They're going to start at the very beginning, right? right. And so we like, well, we recommend free open standards like MT Connect. Mm -hmm. And then you can go work with, there's a number of people if you go to the MT Connect website, mtconnect.org, and you can look at people who are creating adapters and software products that you can then use once you have MT Connect compliant data. There's more people than you think there are that have that software technology out there now. Yeah, and they'll help you figure out right. how to start getting like one machine hooked up. 
get one machine hooked up, and actually then from that, start collecting data on that machine. And when you collect the data on that machine, you start to see, okay, boy, I thought I was getting a lot more operating time than this. I noticed that I've got this different energy surge. I got, you can figure out what you want to track on that machine that'll help you figure out how to get more productivity out of one machine. Once you've done that, you can say, well, look, how do I hook up half a dozen of my machines in my mm -hmm. shop? How do I then get more and more information? You start to look at that and go, that's just getting data information for OEE. Then you start to go, you know, I've got service issues. I have a tough time getting my machines up. And so I go, okay, let's go play in another area, augmented reality. Yeah. So augmented reality, oh, this is really hard, really difficult. There's several companies out there. Upskill is one of them that's got really cool products that a lot of people use and right down the road from us here. And there's products and classes you can get today where you can have support from the outside and be able to get somebody who's not as well trained to be able to leverage augmented reality. And you could do it through your phone, you could do it through an iPad, you could do it through the glasses, where now you can augment. So it's not virtual reality, it's not a game. It's you see the real life machine or the tool, or the mold, whatever you're working on, together with a digital overlay of things that you want the person to do to it. And you need to develop that interface, but essentially it's another way to start augmenting your shop floor. Mm -hmm. We have a hard time finding technically trained people. You can start to use these tools to help you. And so you start looking at all these different pieces. I bring up things like blockchain. So the average person goes, I, I what is Bitcoin? blockchain? What really is that? Yeah, so think of blockchain is just like a peer-to-peer -peer network that allows information to kind of be controlled within a large group. So a good way to look at it from a machine shop standpoint is, let's just say you just came up with a really cool program for how to machine a part. Okay. You come up with the best way to machine, you know, a diff housing or something else. And you want to keep that to yourself, but you've got a supply chain that also you want to be sharing that with, but you don't want it going to everybody on the outside. So you could have... 100, 1,000, 10,000 people that you're working together with that all have that same exact information. And every time you keep extending that kind of, I'm doing a few more features to it, you add more blocks onto the chain. So think of a blocks of information that get chained together. And so it could be information on how you've produced a part, like every step that happened to a part. All the it, processes. Right, it could be a program of what you've done to create a really cool part, you're machining in titanium or something else, and every time you change that. But that information is kept as a common record on let's just say a thousand computers. So someone was to go take it and try to change it or modify it, you have to change all 1,000. Everyone's got a pristine version of what the absolute reality of that information is supposed to be. So because really handy in the future when you're trying to figure out how do we have controlled information that we can actually keep within a certain community and know that that information hasn't been changed by someone on the outside. That's why a lot of times it's used in financial applications. But what it does is it get, takes the middleman out. So if you and I are deciding we want to do business back and forth, right. All of our exchange of like, I made something, you bought it from me. All of our exchange of I'll give you money from my account goes into your account. We don't need a third person to keep track of how much money I had or what you made. You and I keep track of that together between ourselves. And so essentially it just creates a network of information that's indisputable that essentially we can keep on growing. So it's like a collaborative Google Doc, I guess. Yeah, You're, that's a great way to look at it. In the terms, yeah. you know, we're collaborating on this document and it's all relevant and in real time. Right, and the group of people that have that all have the same exact information. The group so, of people that you're sharing that doc with all have access to right. it. Right, so yeah. in our industry, the, the biggest place I think it'll take off is in supply chain and what you're doing, especially if you're doing parts, you know, Jason, you were talking about medical before. If you're doing a medical part, 
Or if you're doing a military defense part, think about the control level they want on that oh part. Oh, God, yeah. And what would happen if somebody could get into your system, if you're making a defense part, wow. and actually change a file to yep. say a good part is bad or a bad part is good. Wow. And how could you control it in a you're current system, me, right? Yeah. But blockchain is a good way to be able to control that, right. and it's immutable. And so at the end of the day, you know that that information couldn't have been changed or that would have had to have been sabotaged on like a 1,000 or 100,000 different platforms that all have the same exact information. So again, it's just yeah, one of the that. many, many no, things. That are right. Out. So Doug, I can see the steam coming out of Jim's ears. I want to go back to the plan. What is on the plan? How do we develop the plan? Because that, I believe, is where the manufacturing leaders are going to start. Yeah. No, it's great. I'm sorry, I get so excited about this. No, cool no, stuff no. no. This is, like, man, this is, this is great, but, but let's yeah. go back to the plan. It's got to be practical. This stuff is useless if it's not practical, and so absolutely. And so again, back to a digital strategy, You know, once you've done that thing of trying to frame up, okay, on one column, what are all these different technologies? next column like what are the things that i'm really good at the next place to start as you're looking at how do i build this out are how close do you see some of these technologies being to your position in the marketplace and so not only is it the technologies but it's a change in business platforms and come from those technologies so manufacturing as a service can be what these technologies help create. And so when I say that, when you think about manufacturing as a service, think Shapeways, think Proto Labs, think Zometry, think Plethora, you know, look up any of those companies and see how you start creating manufacturing as a service. And so you go, okay, if I look at those and I'm a contract tool shop like I used to be for my whole life and go, what if there is this big company that finds a better way to franchise the solution I was doing and has this ability to take digital files faster, quicker than everybody else and actually make what I was making in a way they could deliver it in a day when I didn't have the resources to do that. You look at how these technologies can change the market you're in and start to think about what's that one year, three years, five years. Start to try to get a feel for how these technologies could impact your space, where you play. And then based on those different sets of information, the technologies, the potential impact on you, what you're already good at, where what you're good at is close to one of these technologies. So you already have a leg up in one of those columns. So you might be doing some things in optics. You might have people that are really good at doing uh, video games, really great at video games. You might say, you know what? I maybe have a leg up in the augmented reality space. I could create some augmented reality training. That would be good for me, but I think it could sell as a side product. Because one of the things you can do is not only think about how you reposition your company leveraging one of these technologies, is think about a different business opportunity from what you could spin off of your solution using the technology. So maybe you could create a training package. Maybe you could create a software app. Maybe you could create part of a franchise solution where you're part of where people quickly send digital information to leverage your equipment beyond your current customer base. And so that's where there's opportunities of thinking about. And again, it, it happens when you start putting all these down. I love actually writing them on a wall so I can just see them all as opposed to, so get up on a wall, get a big whiteboard and just start putting these ideas down and get some other people from your operation to come in and then do some things out of the box. Get a magazine like MIT Review that I wouldn't normally read, but I read now, right? Get Fast Company, <laughs> get Ink Magazine, get some crazy things different than all my favorite tool Check shop magazines, yeah. right? Yeah. And go, what are the neat things in there and how are they using them? And apply that back to your digital strategy. Mm -hmm. Keep on adding legs to your digital strategy and it'll start to hit home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a genius in these areas. I just have the opportunity to spend all of my time now doing it. A regular company guy or gal 
they got to run a company. But if you start small like this, we're all equally intelligent. You'll start to see this stuff seep through, and you'll really get what piece of this you can most easily take advantage based on your current company and your appetite for change. And the only thing I would recommend, please, get a good appetite for change because I guarantee you all these things that we're talking about, and I get they might seem a bit extreme, they are all happening in the next three to five max. That's what they maximum. say. And it, it's intimidating. I, you know, I have to be honest with you. And people we've talked to have shared with us that this digital transformation is intimidating and it's scary. And we don't know where to begin. And we don't know what we don't know, first and foremost. So how can we pull all this information through and how can we equip people that are listening to this show that are going to be at IMTS in Chicago in September, how can we convey this message and make it resonate a little bit deeper, Doug? So there's two things I'll put out before IMTS, which is a really big solution. MT360 is an event that AMT is putting out in Silicon Valley in June of 2019. And you'll be able to see it on our AMT website, amtonline.org. And it's an event that we're doing. We're going to be showing these transformative technologies in kind of a virtual factory at the Santa Clara Convention Center, as well as there's going to be learning labs and there's going to be like TED Talks. And so it's all about these transformative, and it's open to anybody. So just look for that on your radar screens for June of next year, MT360. Okay. This year, I mean, you've got the killer of all killer events to be able to go to. So IMTS 2018, you've got our Emerging Technology Center. So there's one on this year, we've got two for the first time ever. There's one on additive because it's, as we were talking about, Jason, you mentioned at the beginning, it's the cool thing. It's new, yeah. So it's got its own Emerging Technology Center. And you're going to see the cool, neat things that are happening there, hybrid technology, the latest materials. And so come see what's happening in the Emerging, same Emerging Technology Center that we then always have by the North and South, kind of the main APA and for manufacturing technology. What are some of these things that are happening with machine learning, with some of the advanced materials, with some of the new technology interfacing with equipment? You'll be able to see that at the Emerging Tech Center. Those are things that are coming out in the future, are going to be affecting you in the not-too-distant future, but are kind of a little bit future. What's not future is a lot of the manufacturers, and I've talked to a lot of our members and the people are going to be exhibiting, they are showing these technologies I'm talking about. They're figuring out how you get more data information out of the machines and use it to drive OEE. They're talking about how you interface with equipment different. They're talking about how you can start building more virtual solutions off of your physical platform. So you've physically got equipment on your floor. Who's starting to create new business opportunities? And they're actually going to be showing them off there at the show saying, here's how we start to monetize other solutions. And so just walking around the floor, I guarantee you, you will see people already using some of these technologies that we're talking about. And at the emerging tech centers, two of them on the floor, you can talk to people and see things that are coming up in the future. And that's a good way to start talking about, touching, and figuring out how to integrate the tools that are going to position you for success in the future. Doug, I have one last question, and it's completely unrelated to everything we just talked about. You seem to have a really cool culture here at AMT. There's a lot of young people here. You've got all the quintessential millennial toys. You've got a ping pong table. You've got a cold brew station. Tell us about the culture here at AMT. Is there deliberate things that you've done here at AMT in order to drive culture that you're proud of here at AMT? Well, I appreciate you saying that, and I hope the answer is an absolute yes. We've tried to take my four cornerstones that I've always driven since I started my first business when I was 28 years old is passion, pride, family, and fun. So you got to be passionate about what you do. If you're not passionate about what you're in, and so I'm passionate about manufacturing, if you're not passionate about it, 
Get the heck out of that business. Go do something Amen. else, right? Yeah. Got to have pride in what you're doing. You got to feel good about what you did making a difference. What you personally put in, your investment, your time, that pride in what you've created. Family will look at it from two standpoints. Your work family is a family. Okay. It but is. You the, spend a lot of time here. You spend a lot of time with those people. But at the end of the day, your family family is your real family. Yes. You do what you got to go do to make sure your family at home is good, no matter what it takes. We try to create that flexibility and opportunity. And then last and absolutely not least, fun. You spend so much time at work. If you cannot have fun with the people you're working with, if you can't have fun while you're at work, I mean, life's a drag. Yeah, let's yep. go blow off some steam and, you know, yeah. bat the ping pong ball Come around on, a little bit. you gotta have it be something fun to go do at the end of the day. I agree. And I think if you can mix all those things together, you can start to create something that is Sounds really like neat and fun. great core values to live by. It's worked for me, and yeah. I think the folks here like it. And we've got more under 30s than we've had in a long time, which really is kind of cool. They think differently they than sure us do. guys that get to be a little bit older, and they kind of push us a little bit. And I like to still think I'm a kid at heart, but man, they really challenged me to think differently, and I love it. We need that in manufacturing. We need the young generation to be passionate about manufacturing so we can take things to the next level. And I love that whole idea of thinking differently. That's what making chips is all about. And Doug, it's just been a pleasure having you on making chips. Looking forward to spending a lot of time with you at IMTS. I still remember IMTS 2016 when my son was like two years old and I had him with me and you're like, yeah, bring him in. Like show him around. No problem. And he was like really engaged into the robots and my daughter too, like several years ago. So, I mean, I love that you want to make it almost make IMTS family friendly as well. I mean, because you want to encourage that young generation as young as you possibly can, even two years old. Yeah, absolutely. And if I could just do a quick shout out for you guys, there's not many people that would have thought if you would have dialed back half a dozen years that someone's going to be doing a podcast on manufacturing. And so, and we talked and a about- a fun podcast yeah, too. a fun podcast with, is, cool, we, with cool guys yeah. that know something about manufacturing. But again, you know, we talked about the maker movement changing the entire dynamic yeah. in the podcast space. I mean, you guys are the cool, fun part of manufacturing Thanks. change, Thanks. right? So Thank this you. is neat. We do appreciate that because we are passionate about what we're doing. And we yes, do we are. take pride in the output of our shows. And family is important to us. Work yeah. family. Jason's part of my work family. Yeah, and absolutely. you know, we, we have our respective families at home yeah. that we try to keep healthy. And, and we, we like have to have fun. fun. I mean, yeah. look how much we laugh. Home run. Absolutely. Right. Yes. So it is. So we totally get it. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Like Jason said, we look forward to September when we're going to see practically every day. Can't wait to host you guys. You bet. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com. And then I have to go off and say, what does blockchain mean? And and I'm sorry, that's how my head thinks. Yeah, 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 yeah.